this week you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump, or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I'm gonna hate it. Money Pit is presented by the Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the Angie app, and Kohler Power. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboard to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are here in our favorite time of the year, in fall, looking to help you guys fix up your home. So if you've got a project, whether it's painting or plumbing or doing a kitchen or building a deck or working in your garage, adding some storage, maybe adding some floors, whatever's on your to-do list, we can help you get started on that with some tips and advice to help you get it done right the first time so you can get on to enjoying your space. Now, to help yourself, you got to reach out to us with those questions. Two ways to do that. You can go to moneypit.com slash ask, click on the blue microphone button and record your question, or you can call us at 1-888-MONEYPIT and do the same. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk about kitchen renos. Now, I know what you're thinking. They're really expensive, and they are super popular. But did you know that there are five updates, and we're talking about significant updates, that you can get done for under a 1000 bucks. We've got those just ahead. And when your water heater goes, there's rarely time to consider all the options when it comes to replacement. So we're going to walk you through the pros and cons of four popular types so that at least you know what you're going to be looking for should this happen to you. And are you hoping to avoid the flu in the coming months? We certainly are. So we're going to look at hands-free motion-activated faucets. They are a good tool for cutting down the spread of germs in public restrooms, but they're also a very healthy fit for your home, and they're easier than ever to install. But first, we want to know what you want to know. Whether you're dealing with a repair or dreaming about a renovation, consider us your coach, your helper, your home improvement therapist for all things remodeling, decor, and fix-up. Give us a call with those questions right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT or post your questions to moneypit.com slash ask. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? All right, we've got Denise on the line. What's going on? You've got Woody Woodpeckers pecking away at your house? Sure do. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so what kind of damage is this uh, little guy causing? Well, um, I don't live in that, that home. I'm, I'm in another state. My son's there, and he's he's hit like two or three sides of the house. So okay. my son has put little pieces of wood mm-hmm. up there. It's a manufactured home, so don't ask me what it's the siding is. I don't know. I'm sure you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just make new holes. Right. So he was yeah. thinking, he, we've investigated products, and the manufacturer actually says, no, it, it won't work. And so we've come down to some kind of a stone facing, and I don't know anything about that. You know, I don't know brand. Well, first of all, if you're talking about replacing siding, then you're probably talking about a product like Hardy Plank, which is a great product. Um, and it's basically a, a cementitious board that can look like wood, frankly. I've got it on my garage. It looks great. Um, but, you know, you can't get birds like woodpeckers or, or bugs that can destroy it. But before we go there, let's, let me give you some really simple things to try, which I've had very good success with over the years. So you want to dissuade this woodpecker or pack of woodpeckers from uh, working on that side of your house. It's just a matter of habit. You know, the reason they peck the wood is because they're looking for worms, and they have no idea that there's no worms inside the wood that's being used inside your house. 
if you were to cut strips of black plastic, like let's say you had a hefty bag and you cut it into like two-inch strips, and you were to tack some of the strips in that area, the fluttering of those strips will dissuade the woodpeckers from coming back. And if you leave it up there for a couple of months and then take it down, the problem might go away. The other thing that works is uh, shiny discs like tin pie plates. They're, when those sort of uh, twist in the breeze, they also can dissuade woodpeckers. But I like the black plastic strips because they're not quite as obvious. Right. And they're really easy to do. So if you were to go up there with that and tack them in place in that area, I think you may find that the woodpeckers are confused by that and, and might just go and, and uh, you know take on somebody else's house down the street, but at least they'll leave yours alone. Mm-hmm. We have tried uh, aluminum foil strips, mm-hmm. and that didn't work. Yeah, I don't know about the strips. I've always used pie plates, pie tins. But okay. I would try the, black, try the black plastic strips. I think you'll have success with that. So can you, if it's not, what kind of siding can he put up to dissuade these little buggers? Well, if you want a siding that they're not going to be able to get through, then I would suggest Hardy Plank, H-A-R-D-I-P-L-A-N-K. Okay. They have clabbered, they have shingles. It's really nice stuff. Take a look at the Hardy Plank website, and uh, you'll be able to see lots of uh, lots of photos of homes that have been covered with it. Does it come in sections like four feet wide, or it comes in different different types of side of, of siding profiles? So the clapboard or the shingle, for example, they have many different types. But but you can take a look at there, and maybe you'll find one that's close to what you have, and you can use it for a repair product too. All right, we've got Gary in Michigan on the line who's dealing with some concrete issues. What's going on? I have a concrete porch that was installed about 10 years ago, and the top is flaking uh, pretty quickly, it seems like, and uh, I just need to know uh, what is the best solution to uh, take care of this problem. Yeah, Gary, you know, it's hard when the concrete starts to flake. Um, generally, it's because there's a crack, water gets underneath it, it freezes, it starts to kind of lift up and fall apart. If you try to just put regular concrete on top of it, nothing's going to stick. So you really need to look for a product that's made for repair, resurfacing, that's formulated to really stick to those areas. Um, QuickRit has a product called Recap, which does just that. Tom, does it come in uh, color choices or is it just one sort of grayish concrete tone? No, it's one gray concrete tone and you mix it up. And it's interesting because it's it Kind of feels a little bit like an epoxy mix when you when you mix it. Yeah, it's like rubbery almost. Mm, yeah, maybe rubbery. It's, it definitely is some work to mix it. I use a paddle mixer when I did my basement floor with this stuff, and uh, that really saved me a lot of time and a lot of muscle of of, of uh, basically stirring that stuff up. But you mix it, you pour it out. Uh, you can sort of trowel it out, or you can use a broom to push it around and and use a broom to finish it. So you get sort of that that out because you're outside. You want to have something that's got a little grit in it, so you can use a broom to finish that will help make sure you don't slip when it gets icy outside. But it's designed to stick, and it sticks like crazy to that old concrete surface, and it really gives you a whole new concrete uh, look when you're done. So I think that is definitely the best way for you to proceed with this situation. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get socked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. 
That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Charlotte and Georgia need some help making some glue go away. <laughs> what happened? Hey, I had a new linoleum laid, and uh, the glue that they used to uh, glue the floor down with, yep. a lot of it got on my floor. And oh I've been using a knife to scrape it off, but I didn't really want to hurt my linoleum, and I was just wondering if there's any any kind of product that I can use to get that glue up. Wow, that's tricky because I, I would be concerned. I mean, there are flooring adhesive removers specifically designed for that type of adhesive, but I would be concerned about its impact on the floor. So I would tell you to search for a flooring adhesive remover, and then I would tell you to, to use it very carefully and watch for any color changes in the flooring. Perhaps even if you have an extra scrap piece of that vinyl, that would be perfect. You can try it out on that. But we want to make sure that it doesn't damage the vinyl in any way, shape, or form. All right, Charlie, good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. All right, I love a family project. We've got John from Texas who's helping his daughter build a house. What's the project? I'm building a little 16 by 36 two bedroom small place. Okay. And I'm at the roof. And I've had different opinions from different people telling me what to do. I've got the rafters up, and I've been told since I'm going with a metal roof. Just lath it right now and put the metal down to the lathing and roof. But I'm kind of, I built houses with my grandfather, and we always decked a house. Right. And my brother's telling me, oh, you got to deck it and then put your lathing on top of that, and then your metal. Yeah. So I just, I was listening to y'all over the weekend right before I was starting on this roof deal, and I thought I'd see what what's your thoughts on it were. So uh, when you say deck it, just for those that are that are not familiar, what, what basically you're referring to is to use like plywood sheathing on top of the rafters. Now, a couple of things to think about here. So first of all, if you do put sheathing on the roof, it's going to be structurally stronger than if you just put lath, which is sort of like a one by three strip that goes all the way down. Now, in in the old days, that is how we used to build roofs. I mean, my house itself, built in the 1800s, uh, it had a lath on it, and then it had cedar shingles nailed right to that. So there's nothing really wrong with doing it that way. I do think that the ply- the plywood approach is going to be a little stronger. And also, I think it will also be quieter, because remember, when it does rain, it's really loud on the other side of that metal roof. So I think you'll find that it'll be it'll be quieter if you were to put a, a, a roof sheathing in between it. And then also you could insulate up under it by insulating the back of the roof sheathing. So for all those reasons, I think that I probably would use solid de- decking on that project. That was my thought for the strength mainly that I knew would be there. That's tying everything together. Absolutely. You know, the only other suggestion I have would be for you to check with the manufacturer of the metal roofing and see what their installation recommendations are. But generally speaking, I think that's the right approach to go ahead and put a roof deck on that on on those rafters and go from there. All right. John, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Thank you so much. 
While kitchens are one of the most popular home improvement projects for fall, especially with everyone trying to get one done before the holidays. Now, while a major kitchen renovation is wonderful, it can be expensive and surely very time-consuming. Yep, but you don't have to spend a bundle to give your kitchen a whole new look. So there are five updates you can do for under a grand that can do just that. First, let's talk about countertops. Sure, if you go with granite or quartz, you're going to pay as much as you would for a used car. But there are budget-friendly materials like laminate and tile that can give you a fresh look. And if you wanted to use granite, if you love that granite look, I just did a countertop with a product called Lux Rock. It's a granite coating, which is a heck of a lot less expensive and delivered an amazingly lifelike granite finished look to my project. All right. Next up, let's talk about those kitchen cabinets. Now, maybe you want to keep the kitchen cabinets you have because cabinet replacement is expensive. But if your cabinets are in good shape, but you're not thrilled with their finish, you've got many options to change their appearance. Now, first, you can strip off the old finish and stain them any way you like or just paint them and then replace that hardware. Now, small changes like new door handles and drawer pulls can make a huge difference in the overall look of your kitchen as well. That's right. Now let's talk appliances. You know, the dated look of kitchens is often traced to those old appliances. But just like cars, appliances are always going to reflect the style of the day. So changing or repainting them can make a kitchen look a lot younger, especially if you repaint the walls to match the new colors. Now, if you're going to get new appliances, remember, always go for an Energy Star rated appliance. This designation is going to mean that the appliance exceeds the Department of Energy guidelines for efficiency by at least 10%, and that's going to save you a bunch. Now, let's not forget about lighting, which is just as important in your kitchen as in any other room of the house. Again, there's lots of options. You can add pendant lighting, which is super popular, or take advantage of the many smart home lighting systems by adding dimmers or bulbs that run on apps and keep you on a schedule. Lots of great ways to add lighting to that space. Yeah, and last but not least, replace the kitchen floors. You know, new flooring alone can really change the look of a kitchen, and it can be installed with very little impact on family life. Yeah, and it's also very durable against wear, scratches, and stains, and the designs look really authentic. Now, there's dozens of tough, durable, and completely waterproof floors that are now available for DIY installation. In fact, Tom, you just picked up some flooring this week for a kitchen renovation. Which one did you end up going with? Yep, so I went with LL Flooring's Duravana. That's their hybrid stone flooring product. It's 100% waterproof, super tough stuff. I use Spire Oak, which is kind of like a driftwoody look oak because I have white kitchen cabinets and a black granite countertop and I figured it would pull it all together and I'm looking forward to putting it in. I've actually installed this product before. Uh, It goes together really quickly so I'm pretty psyched about it. All right. well that sounds great. I hope it looks beautiful. Now I've got Michelle on the line. What can we do for you today? I have this huge flower bed right by my house and it's about as big as a one car garage. Anyway, I know that it's to be sloped away from the house But I was wondering if I have a raised flower bed, how far that raised flower bed should be from the house. That's a great question. Sometimes people put it right against the house, Michelle, and then it's great for the flowers, but it also holds all this water against your foundation and it can cause flooding in lower levels or crawl spaces and basements, or it can even damage your foundation. So the, the flower bed is fine, but you, you need to make sure, you, you essentially need to build it on a hill in the sense that what you want to do is establish the grade that slopes away from the house first. And then once that grade is, is established, then you could plant flowers or shrubs or, you know, whatever else you, you want to do. What you don't want to do is kind of have like an, like an edging around the outside of the bed so that a lot of times you see that people will use like 
like uh, railroad ties or like scalloped bricks or block or something like that and and think of it as a trough that they build around their house and that's what happens it holds water so just don't impede drainage good flow of water away from the exterior wall and you'll be fine okay well thank you so much you're welcome shell thanks so much for calling us at 888 money pit everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. MONEYPIT. Jack from Michigan's on the line with some gurgling sounds coming from the toilet and the sink. What is going on? We have a sub pump downstairs in the basement. And when we run the, the washing machine or it, when the, um, the water softener regenerates and runs the sub pump, I have a gurgling noise that comes up and, and comes up through the kitchen sink and then usually the, uh, the bathroom, the upstairs bathroom toilet. I bet you want to know what's causing that. <laughs> I would love to. It's um, a lack of venting, a lack of proper venting. So when okay. the washer is discharging or the sump pump is discharging and all of that water is draining out of those pipes, it's basically causing a pressure that wants to pull the rest of the water out of the trap, which okay. is that there's a trap in the toilet, there's a trap in the kitchen sink. And as yep. it does that, that's when you get that kind of gulp, gulp, gulp sound because it's just gasping yep. for air as that happens. Now, if you, you know, drive down the average neighborhood and you see pipes that come up through the roof, plumbing pipes, those are vent pipes and they yes, let air into the plumbing system. Okay. So you have one of those, but for some yeah. reason it's not hooked up correctly because okay. you're not getting enough air into the bathroom or the kitchen. Now, okay. let's leaving the bathroom aside from now. In terms of the kitchen, there is an under cabinet vent that you could put in that would supplement the house venting that will only let air in and not let sewage gas out. So there's okay. one possible repair there. For the bathroom, you know, you really need to figure out why it's not venting properly. It could be that that vent is obstructed. And that has happened. And, you know, it could be something as simple as a nest that got in there. But for some reason, those vents are obstructed or they're not hooked up right. And that's why you're getting that uh, plumbing system gasping for air. 
so would I have to have maybe a plumber come over and drop a, a maybe a camera down the, down the vent tube? Yeah, I mean, to, to or just a bright, it. I mean, just a really bright flashlight, you know, like a mag light okay. or a stream light, and you could look right down there, and sometimes you can see the obstruction, but you got to kind of track it down, figure out what's going on. I also have an issue that when we when we flush the toilet, it doesn't seem. I mean, the back of the tank, the bowl fills up with water, but. There doesn't seem to be a good water level in you know in the toilet itself. Is that all Pot- part of the potentially problem? yes? Potentially that could it could be uh, causing an issue as well. Okay, so that could be related to the vent. Yep, exactly. Yeah, so, it's definitely so a venting issue. You just got to get to the bottom of it, Jack. Just got to determine where that where, where, where and the how and, and, and right, the get address, get some more air in there. Yep. And in, in, in one vent, one outside vent is usually enough if it's operating properly. Yeah, one. Well, sure, one main vent is typically what you would have. I mean, how many bathrooms do you have in this house? Uh, just just the one. Yeah, well, that's all you're going to have is one vent, yeah. Okay, well, I, I, think I, I think that narrows it down then. All right, well, good luck, Jack. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Thank you very much. Hey, I was working in the kitchen we were talking about earlier this week, and I was installing, well, I had already installed the, the uh, microwave, and I was plugging it in because I put the cabinet doors back on, and I couldn't get the plug to go in the outlet, and I was confused for a minute. Then I saw that it was basically labeled TP on the outside, which means tamper-proof. I was like, oh, okay, these are the new tamper-proof outlets. So if you ever run into those, the way you basically have to plug things in is it has to be 100% sort of square and even with the outlet itself. So if you try to plug it in at a slight angle, it locks it closed. So it's a really good way to protect outlets against kids that stick things in them. And once you sort of hold the plug square straight on, it goes in and it kind of clicks in place. So I was pretty impressed by that. I hadn't asked the uh, electrician to do that, but apparently it's a code. So when he put the new outlet in, it was already tamper-proof, and I learned something new. That's awesome. Lauren, Connecticut's on the line and needs some help with a project. What are you working on? I was listening to your program on Saturday, okay, and you were referring to galvanized nails rusting with uh, siding. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have a similar problem. If I polyurethane the, the nail and tanked over it, would that work or would it chip? It will still rust through if you don't have the right kinds of uh-huh. nails. See, if you're, if you're talking about cedar siding, what you should have used uh, or the carpenter should have used was a stainless steel nail. Uh, those nails oh. obviously won't rust. If they're standard galvanized nails, you do tend to get sort of a bleed through it. Now, if you refinish the siding and, and you stain it or paint it, then, you know, then, and you prime it first, by the way, then you probably will do a pretty good job of stopping most of that from coming through. But it, the, the problem generally oh. happens when you want to stain it because you want to enjoy the grain of the wood, then it's really hard to cover it up. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Unless, of course, you go with rust-colored stain, right, Leslie? <laughs> you could do that. Oh, okay. That sounds you can't, good. can't beat them, join them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Good luck, Laura. Thanks for calling us at 8 at 8 Money Pit. Well, water heating is the second largest expense in the average home, costing upwards of $600 per year. So if you're ready for a new unit, you're going to want to choose a water heater that fits your family's needs, but also one that is as energy efficient as possible to save you some money in the long run. Now, four of the most popular options are storage water heaters, tankless water heaters, solar water heating systems, and heat pump water heaters. Now, they all last from 10 to 20 years, but they each have pros and cons. So let's start by talking about a storage water heater. This costs less to buy and is the most commonly used type. 
It gives you simultaneous multiple uses of hot water by holding a reservoir of hot water that's released when you turn on the faucet, and then the tank refills with cold water, so the cycle repeats again. And the downside is that some energy can be wasted through the hot water on standby because even when it's not being used, it still has to heat the water. All right, now tankless units are more expensive to buy, but they've got lower operating costs and they're a lot more efficient than storage water heaters. Now you're going to save an average of about $100 per year. They provide hot water only as you need it, which is going to reduce heat loss, but the output is limited to a few gallons per minute. So if your household does use a lot of hot water, you might need multiple units. Now, if you're thinking of going solar, there's a higher initial cost for the installation, but a solar system is 50% more efficient than gas or electric water heaters because the sunshine is free and, of course, it's renewable. Now, they can actually be used in any climate, but you might need a backup system to get you through those cloudy weather times and, you know, when you really need to use a lot more water. So definitely there's a backup system involved with a solar option. And finally, there are heat pump water heaters. Now, these are more efficient than conventional heaters. They'll save you up about 300 bucks annually on electric bills, but they can be only used where it's between 40 to 90 degrees all year long, and you need at least a 1,000 cubic feet of open air space around the unit. They can also increase the load on your heating and cooling appliances. But whatever type of water heater you get, the key to making sure it works well, works efficiently, and lasts as long as possible is maintenance. So make sure... You get the maintenance done early and often. Always follow the manufacturer's guidelines on that. And this way, you'll keep yourself in hot water for as long as possible. All right, now we're going to Illinois where Eric's got a roofing question. Tell us about it. I have a roofing question about soffit vents. I recently just bought a house built in 1991 that has a new roof with a ridge vent, and there are only 30-ish soffit vents spaced about six feet apart throughout the entire surround. I'm wondering if I need to install more. So, Eric, you mentioned that your soffit vents are about six feet apart. That's actually pretty typical in an older house. A good option here is to remove those soffits that you have, where in this case you have individual soffits that are, have vents cut into them. I would take the bottom of that soffit apart, it's usually plywood, and I would replace that whole soffit area with ventilated soffit material. Uh, it comes in different lengths. You basically cut it to fit. It snaps together. It's held in place with usually a piece of aluminum trim on the outside and a J-channel on the inside. And this way, the entire soffit itself becomes the vent because it's really important to vent an attic this way because this way when air blows against the side of the building, it goes in the soffit, it runs up under the roof sheathing and escapes at the ridge. And when air hits the ridge vent at the top, it sort of depressurizes that space and sort of helps this whole process along so that when you're done, you basically have ventilation that's happening 24-7, 365, keeping that attic nice and dry in the winter where when humidity can form up there and condense in the insulation, make it ineffective, uh, and keeps it uh, cooler in the summer because it's always moving that hot air out of the attic space and replacing it with the cooler, fresher outdoor air. Judy in Louisiana, you've got the money pit. What are you working on? Hi. I uh, was asking about mildew and mold on brick. How do I get it off the easiest way? I mean, it's outside. How do I get it off the easiest way without damaging the mortar? So there's a variety of products out there that can do that, uh, and these cleaners essentially saturate the mold or the moss or the mildew and then they break down the fibers 
and then rain essentially washes it away. They're slow working. It's not like you're going to, you know, do it once and it'll be done. Uh, but it will get clean. So there's products like spray and forget or wet and forget. There's concrobium. There's, um, Zinzer has one. And, you know, all of those products are basically amildicide that are designed to, to kill that material. I used them on a roof of a shed last year that was literally totally covered with moss. And I just happened to notice this past weekend was we were out doing some work on the yard that I could see all the shingles again as if it never existed. So it just basically melted it all away. So that's the way to do that. You can pressure wash some of that off, but if you do it, you just have to use a gentle pressure washer so that you don't uh, destroy the surfaces underneath. Good luck with that project. Thanks for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, hands-free faucets, they've been around in commercial use for decades, but are they practical for use in your home? Well, for one, you don't need to worry about your hands being dirty or soapy or full, and they're great for keeping the germ count down. You know, less hands touching, less surfaces. And that's something that can come in really handy with a full household of kids and pets and sometimes elderly relatives visiting, I mean, especially this time of year. Now, there are a lot of other advantages to using a hands-free faucet, one of which is you save a lot of water because you're not running water while you're sort of soaping up your hands. You're not running water while you're brushing your teeth. It automatically comes on and comes off. And it's also great for people that have limited hand mobility. Yeah, no, some other advantages are that it's really great if you are the chef of the household. I mean, you're not going to be reaching for that faucet when you just touch some raw chicken. So you don't have to worry about that food contamination to those surfaces. And it's also great for kids who just can't reach. I mean, they'd just be able to hold out their hand or wave in front of the faucet to get that water to come on. So it really is super helpful. Now, they're installed just like a regular faucet with one additional element. They have a battery pack in them. And the battery pack basically is powering that sort of sensor, which doesn't use very much power at all. So we're talking about a battery pack that could last a year or more before you have to change it. And by the way, if the battery pack goes off, you could still use it in a lot of cases manually because a lot of these hands-free faucets also um, have a dual valve. So you can basically operate it the way a standard faucet would, or you could operate it in the hands-free mode. So lots of options, definitely worth looking for, especially now as we go into the the cold and flu season. Uh, You can't be too careful trying to keep those germs from spreading. Lorna in Rhode Island is dealing with some flies at home. Tell us what's going on. Um, Fruit flies. They seem to be invading the kitchen, and I'm thinking they're heading for the garbage disposal area, but I'm not really sure. I mean, are they coming up out of the garbage disposal? No, they don't seem to be. I mean, generally, if you think they're coming to the sink or from the sink, sometimes people will actually put some tape over that drain and just seal that off to see if they are coming from there. This way, if they're getting stuck on the underside, you know they're coming up from the drain, and then that would be a different approach. Yeah, you could do that during the day. Say, when you you go out for the day, just cover the drain temporarily with the tape and keep an eye on it. And the other thing that you could do is you could, if that's the case, then you could put um, some some bleach down that drain or maybe some OxyClean or something like that and then cover the top of it. That tends to really uh, sort of gas any that are sort of laying in there. Oh, okay. So straight bleach or mixed with water or? No, you could just put some straight bleach down there or you could use uh, OxyClean, the powdered bleach. All right. Yeah, great. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. All right, let's welcome Mark, who's looking for some water heater options. What are you looking at? 
So I'm trying to look at how I can add a solar boiler to uh, our current water heater system and not have it look too uh, gaudy. Um, so I'll just kind of reaching out to you guys to see what you think. There's some kits or things out there that are attractive and you're affordable. Well, solar boilers, they're really called solar water heaters or solar domestic hot water systems. They definitely can be a cost-effective way for you to get hot water to your home. They can be used pretty much in any climate. And the fuel that they use is, of course, free. It's sunshine, right? There's a great resource about solar water heaters on the energy.gov website, the Energy Savers specifically website. So that's energy.gov slash energy savers. But basically the way they work is the heating systems include storage tanks and solar collectors. And there are really two types. One's active, one's passive. The difference being the active one has a recirculating. And they're kind of just a standalone system. They mount up on the roof. The tank keeps that water warm when it's not being used. I think in some climates, if you have a really, really rough climate, very cold climate, it might not be a great choice. But I know that a lot of the Boy Scout camps that I've been to over the years use these. And they can keep them all well supplied with hot water. So I think it's a good choice. Well, Tracy says, I have an old house with old walls and old, ugly wallpaper. Can I take the wallpaper off the plaster walls, or should I just sheetrock over everything? Well, that's a good question. I think, Leslie, it probably depends on the condition of the plaster walls. If they're in good condition, in other words, they're not excessively cracked and sort of falling apart, then you probably could steam that wallpaper off of the plaster walls, prime them with a good quality primer, and then paint them again. But if the plaster wall is in bad shape, then I think the best option is to go on top of it with another layer of drywall. I've done this project both ways in homes that I've owned. I've torn off the plaster walls, which is a big, big job and a very dirty, dusty job. And I've also decided and the next time I did a room, I left the plaster in place and put drywall on top of it. And I was a much happier camper doing it that way. So I think that's a really good option for you. But it really depends on the condition of the plaster. You may or may not be able to get that wallpaper off. You're just going to have to try it and see how it goes. All right. I mean, it could definitely turn into a project that's a bigger project than you thought. <laughs> I mean, it's always that way when you're dealing with old walls and wallpaper. But either way, you're going to end up with a beautiful surface. It just depends on what that journey is to get you there. And I hope it's not tremendously difficult, but, you know, maybe you end up with some new drywall or, heck, even better, maybe you end up with some more beautiful wallpaper. <laughs> no! <laughs> yes! Wallpaper's the best! Otherwise, we have to have this conversation with somebody, uh, I don't know, 10 years from now. (laughs) Well, now that we are sealing up the doors and windows and spending more time inside of our homes, taking a few steps to make sure the air you're breathing is kept clean, well, that's super important. Leslie's got some tips on how to choose the best air filters to do just that in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie? Yeah, you know, if you'd like to focus on one simple repair that's going to help you breathe easier all winter long, you might want to think about replacing the filter in your HVAC system. Now, it's located near the furnace or in a wall or ceiling return duct, and replacing it only takes a few minutes. Now, when it comes to what you should replace it with, there are a few choices, and some do a better job than the others of helping keep that air pretty clean. Now, there's basic ones. I'm talking about those cheap blue spun fiber filters. If you can see through it, though, guys, forget about it. Now, a good option is a pleated filter. Those are better than the others. 
The deeper the filter, the more surface area you're going to get and a better job of filtering the air. If you want an even better option, we're talking about electrostatic pleated filters. Those are going to do an even better job. But the best option for filters out there are electronic systems that are permanently installed. And they do the best job of cleaning the air, providing that you keep them clean. So you do have to do your part here. But this is really excellent for anybody who's got asthma or allergies. All of these filters, whether you're getting the worst one or the absolute best one, I mean, they really are doing a small part or a huge part of filtering the air at home. So think about how much you need to filter out. They really are an important part of your heating and cooling systems, and they protect you and your equipment. So choose and make sure that you go ahead and replace them as often as you need to or clean them as needed, because that's what really keeps things working. So definitely not a major project to undertake, but a super important one. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Coming up next time on the program, when summer turns to fall, you may feel like your green thumb needs to take a rest. But you don't have to stop gardening. You just have to bring that green inside with container gardening. We'll tell you how to get started on the very next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. 